You're listening to the Premier Podcast Network. What's up, everybody? It's Marcus D'Angelo. We are back for another episode of Everybody's Got a Pod. And of course, you know this man right here. That is the Hall of Famer himself, the million dollar man, Ted DiBiase. What's going on, Ted? Hey, I feel like a million bucks today. You know, I'm healthy. I'm, uh, uh, and I guess, you know, I, I, there's a, there's a, some kind of flu bug going around and uh, <clears throat> something. So I need to make sure I take all my vitamin C and you know, take care of myself. So, but uh, you know, right now, right now I'm good. Well, I know you got a lot of kids running around that <clears> house. <throat> I've got a toddler here at my house and man, it's uh, the, that, that preschool she goes to, it's like uh, germ city. She comes, <laughs> she comes home and brings them all with her. So that's why our sponsor AG one is so important. Use that, get all your vitamins and minerals right there. Yeah. Uh, but it's not time for an ad read right now, right now, Ted, it's time to resume our look back in, at WCW in 1996. Mm-hmm. Uh, we're going to be picking up where we left off with our discussion now about October of that year. Uh, man, there is so much to discuss. We've got four videos this week that we'll, we'll be watching. So it's, it's going to be a fun one. And plus it's Halloween havoc month. So that's always a blast. Um, before we get into it, though, I have to do my usual reminder, my shtick here. Get over to YouTube.com slash at Everybody's Got a Pod. Get subscribed to become eligible for an upcoming giveaway. Ted just had a new WWE Elite Legends action figure come out, and I picked one up over at Target. I'm going to ship it over to Ted, and we are going to do a giveaway with that sucker. So if you want to make sure that you can get your hands on it, all you have to do to be eligible is subscribe at YouTube. Again, it's YouTube.com forward slash at Everybody's Got a Pod. I don't have it yet. (laughs) (laughs) All right, I'll go pick up another one so you can have it. Uh, so it's October 1996, WCW, of course, a lot of big stuff going on, including some pretty notable arrivals. Behind the scenes, J.J. Dillon arrives with the company in an office role. He had just left the WWF, where he had been uh, in various management roles behind the scenes, including VP of Talent Relations for years. Uh, a role in which he claims credit for the signings of huge talents like The Undertaker and Triple H. Ted, how well did you know JJ? And did you feel like bringing a guy like him with his experience was a huge benefit to WCW or just another cook being added to the kitchen? No, I, you know, I thought it was definitely something. I mean, because I, you know, I, I've known JJ Dillon. You know, I mean, the first time I saw him, he was a wrestler. And, uh, I can still remember the first match I watched him have him in the Amarillo Sports Arena. He and Dick Murdoch had an unbelievable, uh, uh, what do you call it? Uh, they worked together. You know, they, 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 they worked a program, you know, a whole oh. program. And, and JJ was, a, a, he was the villain. He was the, he was, he was the heel and Murdoch was the baby face. And I'm telling you, you know, uh, and then, my, I'll be honest with you. One of my very first matches was with him, with JJ Dillon. Really? Yeah, I mean, down in uh, Abilene, I, I, I believe it was, and I, I can't remember why. Uh, you know, we, you know, I said, shoot, you know, like, you know, somebody didn't show up or whatever, and so instead of being a referee, you know, I, I, I had this this match with him, and it was easy. It was easy because he was he was very good at what he did. And led me through it. So, uh, yeah, I, I, yeah, I forgot. You know what? I forgot that. How about that? My very first match is with JJ Dillon. You th- so not not one n- not even necessarily one of your early matches. You think you had your first match ever with JJ? Yeah. How about that? Yeah. That is that is incredible. Well, uh, Arn Anderson says about says it about him all the time. He was the manager for the Four Horsemen, but yeah. he would get in he would get in there and wrestle every once in a while. And Arn always says, like, man, nobody could take a bump like like JJ Dillon. Yeah, and he was he was great. I mean, I mean, as a as a wrestler, he was very good. I mean, um, you know, he was a heel in in Amarillo, 
And again, the, the program that he had with Dick Murdoch was just second to none. And, uh, yeah, I mean, I'm, I've known him that far back. A great guy. And personally, he's a great guy. I've had the pleasure of meeting him on a couple of occasions, and I back that up. He's certainly a, a, a great guy. And, and yeah, I mean, what a what an incredible talent. And for him to transition from being like, hey, this great worker and great bumper to all of a sudden being a great manager. And yeah. now, you know, here in WCW, he's behind the scenes initially, but then he's going to become WCW commissioner. He's great in that role. It's a uh, man. It's a versatile talent, isn't he? Yeah. Yeah. He can do it all. I think it's also worth mentioning that in the 10, 14, 1996 Observer, Meltzer mentions that there's a lot of behind-the-scenes heat among Hall, Nash, and Hogan, with Hall and Nash already getting tired of their backup roles and frustrated with the amount of money that Hulk was making. Ted, as a member of the group, you're around all these guys a lot. Do you remember any kind of tension starting to brew among everybody? Well, it wasn't. I guess it wasn't something that was uh, obvious to everybody, but yeah, you know, you know, uh, I knew about it. And it's kind of like, um, you know, anybody that comes along and, and, and again, Kevin, you know, Kevin and, uh, Scott, you know, they are, you know, relative newcomers and they're looking to prove themselves and, and, and get the opportunity. And of course, you know, you're, you're there, you know, if you're the guy at the, at the top, there's always somebody looking to knock you off the top. Mm-hmm. And so, um, and I, I guess politically at that time, Hogan also, I mean, Hogan had been Hulk Hogan. I mean, he'd been Hulk Hogan for the WWF forever and, and uh, was the feature guy when Vince McMahon went national and global with his company. And yeah, you know, it's like everybody would want that spot. And of course, this is the time now where Hogan has left the WWE and gone over and, uh, I guess, yeah. I mean, uh, Scott and Kevin are are, are like, uh, okay, you know, uh, where's my when's my when's my opportunity? Now, uh, Hall and Nash. While we're on the subject, they're kind of noted shit disturbers behind the scenes, uh, and I think I've even heard Kevin Nash say that you know they were pretty giddy about the amount of money they were making coming in the door here from WC from WWF, and they were happy to let everybody backstage know exactly what they were making, which is a substantial amount more than most of the rest of the folks were making. Yeah. Uh, do you remember those two kind of stirring the pot behind the scenes? Oh yeah. Oh yeah. 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 It's, it's kind of, it's kind of like, yeah, you know, it's kind of like, uh, you know, like, you know, like waving it in front of you, like, you know, look, look what I'm making and you're not. <laughs> and, and, but for me though, personally, by this time I wasn't, I didn't have to worry about that anymore because I was a manager. Mm-hmm. I'm in a manner, a managing role, you know? And so, um, no, uh, I wasn't gonna, I want to, I wasn't gonna let that bother me. So that's interesting, Ted, because you know, it's, you're in a management role, but you're like, you know, you're coming from being a wrestler. So I'm sure you still consider yourself one of the boys. Oh uh, yeah. Oh yeah. So now with that being the case, are you, are you able to avoid like the backstage drama or, I mean, like you're around these guys all the time. Are you like, in a nutshell, what I'm trying to say is it feels like it would be really hard to stay out of the backstage drama. That's going to happen pretty much anywhere you go. Were you, did you manage to stay away from it here? Well, you know, the reason I was able to stay away from it is because number one, I think I had the respect of everybody for who I had been and, and, the, and the talent that I had. And, and and now I'm, you know, I'm one of the, I'm kidding to be one of the older guys and I'm, I'm now in a managing role, mm-hmm. which, you know, is, you know, it, it serves some importance, but it's not the, of major importance. And I believe that's why I, you know, if I, if I was still in a wrestling role, yeah, I'd have been in the middle of that mix. <laughs> but if I was, you know, if I had still been in an active wrestling role, I think I don't think I ever would have left the WWF. So as a manager, you don't feel like you're doing that kind of scraping and clawing, trying to get to the top of the mountain anymore. It's you're like, hey, I'm a manager. Here's my role. And I'm here's my salary. And I'm satisfied. And that was it. Right. Well, I mean, it's kind of like, 
Well, that's the other thing is that when I went to WCW, it's the first time I was on a guaranteed contract. Mm-hmm. And whether I was there or I wasn't there, I got paid. And that's another reason for me not to care. You're pretty easy to be content under those circumstances. Yeah, yeah I've got a my my money is guaranteed. I'm not I'm not physically wrestling anymore. I'm in this manager's role. You guys go fight and have it out, and I'll just sit back here and watch. Pretty good spot to be in. Yeah. Um, well, uh, something else that I saw in the Observer was that uh, this is around the time when Bischoff is kind of calling meetings with a lot of the talent and outlining uh, goals. And a lot of those goals were to put Vince out of business or to outdo Vince uh, on on shows. I mean, some of these became pretty infamous meetings whenever you know they would reach the Observer because of some of the, the content of what Bischoff would say about putting people out of business and ending Vince McMahon's you know reign of terror up there with the WWF. Do you have any recollection of being in any of these kind of wild meetings? Oh, I mean, you know, I heard it all, and I just, I'll be honest with you, um, I just kept my mouth shut and and watched, and oftentimes laughed. I said, you know, nobody's going to put a Vince McMahon out of business, and especially someone who knows nothing about the wrestling business. And I'm sorry, but at the time, in my opinion, Eric Bischoff didn't know squat about wrestling. Did, I, I know that Eric would solicit advice from like Hogan, Hall, Nash, a lot of the guys are on top, Savage for another example. Um, would he ever come to you? I mean, nobody knows more about the business than you by this point. I just, like I said, again, I, I came there in a managing role mm. and I, I managed to stay out of the way. <laughs> <laughs> and, and you know, let me, let me say this. I have nothing against Eric Bischoff, uh, and, and he's personally, personally a, a very nice guy, you know. And I never asked him how he did it, but I still wonder how he did it. I was like, how did how did you end up, you know, being the guy in in, in charge of this, and you know, because in, in my is like until I went there, I never heard of Eric Bischoff. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I mean, he, he wasn't a, a, a recognizable name in, in, in wrestling. Not necessarily a good fit on paper. However, I mean, the proof is in the pudding for Eric Bischoff. I mean, it's yes, WCW would eventually tank, but I mean, like it, he took over and I think it was 93. And well, they I mean, uh, okay, but the biggest angle in wrestling ended up being the war. Mm-hmm. You know, he, here's all these guys that had been with Vince that have now jumped away from Vince and are now working for the competition. Right. That was the biggest story in wrestling. Well, Ted, our first clip this week, we're dropping in on the October 14th Nitro, as it seems a couple of new members might be joining the group. Let's have a look. I know this was sound stupid. I don't even want to bother you with it. But, you know, lack of communication around here. But on the contract that Ted gave us, you know, uh, about the limousines and the clear jets and most of all the money with the decimal point where uh, it should be a little further back that we should be getting the money you know what i'm talking about i don't know if it's just a screw up i know it probably blew you know you don't know nothing about it but you know no brother that, that that should all be in there turn the page where's my signature no no the clear jets the limousines the money on the paper, that should all, whoa, 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 whoa. I mean, I, I didn't sign that. Do you see my signature on that? You know something, brother? I didn't sign this. So this is the contract I laid out, but you know, you shouldn't have these shirts on unless I sign this. You know what I'm saying? Well, what, are you, what the hell are you talking about? I, I mean, what? No, what I'm talking about is you don't wear our colors unless we tell you. Unbelievable. Take care of the family business for me. How do you like that, Liz? Unbelievable. 
you don't wear the colors unless we tell you. Hold this, trillionaire Ted. See, he suckered those two nasties into watches. Tag him. Elegant six. Tag him. They're unconscious. The nasty boys. And why I may not like what they did here, attempting to join the NWO, quite frankly. They deserve it. This is a little... This is too much. This is too much. NWO, brothers. You something, macho man. What you see here, macho man, is just a little bit of what I'm gonna do to you, brother. At the MGM, brother. Halloween Havoc. Giant, bring her over here, man. Bring her over no, here. Get her out of there. You know the macho Brian. man. The reason your life fell apart is because of Hollywood Hogan. The reason I'm gonna remain the NWO champion is because there's a pecking order and I'm the greatest in the sport, brother. And the bottom line is, before your marriage was destroyed, night and day, Elizabeth dreamed about me. She had me on a pedestal. All right. So, <laughs> Ted, that kind of stuff is is what really got end of the NWO red hot because it was it was really starting to turn from like of a faction into more of like a gang like yeah. sort of thing like you know yeah. talking about putting on colors and whatnot yeah. uh, uh, but the nasty boys ted they couldn't have been more different from your performance style uh we also always hear how absolutely crazy those guys could be behind the scenes uh what were your experiences like around those two? Oh yeah i mean it's just that, that just you know like um yeah <laughs> yeah yeah uh enough, enough said they're just uh ridiculous sometimes you're trying to think of a story that you can tell and there's maybe I'm none trying to think of one and i don't think i can find one <laughs> that's all right i won't hold your feet to the fire on it uh something else that stands out to me here is hogan's statements at the end to savage about liz we all know that in real life hogan and savage had a real love-hate relationship and rumor has it that liz was at the center of their issues uh now here we are and it's being turned into a storyline uh what do you think about this blending of reality and storyline well i don't know and i'll be honest with you back then at that time i didn't know any of that I didn't, I didn't know any of what was going on really no uh, you know, I didn't, uh, and I didn't want to know, to be honest with you, you know, like I didn't delve into that. I mean, and nobody, you know, uh, you know, obviously I, I knew Hulkster and I knew, I knew Savage and I, you know, but it wasn't one of those things. I didn't know either one of them well enough to sit down and have a conversation like that with them. And again, you know, it's the the businessman in you. It's like, hey, if I don't have to be in the middle of drama, I'm not going to assert, my, exactly. assert myself into it. So Exactly. Uh, on the next episode of Nitro, yourself and the NWO are ringside for a match between the fake Sting and Mr. JL when real Sting comes out with a very different look and attacks fake Sting. None of the, none of the NWO guys try to stop him, and instead you take the mic and give Sting an offer. Let's check it out. Hold on, hold, no, come on. Ladies and gentlemen, warm welcome to the real no. Stinger. No. He's with him. He is with him. And no way. Sting, the NWO would like to give you a warm welcome too. We'd like to welcome no. you aboard. See, we could, we could use a man like you. No. Whether you realize it or not, or whether WCW realizes it or not, the NWO is taking over. That is a fact. You understand? He's That's not wearing fact, NWO. Man. He's not wearing we your colors. He's not wearing an NWO. Look There's at his face. There's nothing anybody can do about it. Look at his You eyes. see, if you join us, it's not like going to work for any other company. No, What's once you join us, then you're like family. You got something to say to Sting, big man? Stinger, if I may quote my most favorite American poet, Jim Morrison. 
I think it's time you break on through to the other side. Don't do it. I got a couple of questions. I got a couple of questions for Sting. You've been carrying the WCW banner for nine years and doing a great job. What do you got to show for it? We bring him out a bogus imposter and nobody knows about that better than us because we knew Please. it would get to you. WCW tells you to stick it. We want you to know we're taking over and with you, there's no stopping us. You jump NWO, you're NWO for life. Stinger. He's gone. Come on. They've brought the devil out of him. He reached down. That right there is your cheap imitation. You get what you pay for, don't you? The real sting may or may not be in your price range. But the only thing that's for sure about sting is nothing's for sure. Pretty good storytelling, huh? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and really, at this point, I think that that's kind of what's setting WCW apart from WWE. You know, WWE had kind of this emphasis on cartoonish, crazy, outlandish uh, characters and storylines at this time. And then you flip the channel to uh, WCW, and there's like... A, gang violence and there's this kind of storytelling i mean what do you think ted is is that kind of what made the difference during the monday night war uh you know i'm not sure uh to be honest with you but i know i know this i know that um this i mean just the one this one big thing with all these guys who who without them even thinking about it Oh, the fact that they're a wrestling star to Vince McMahon. Mm. All of those, you know, Kevin Nash, Scott Hall, all those guys, Hulk, me, all those guys, the thing that put them on the map, the thing that made them uh, a recognizable character was Vince McMahon in the WWF. Yep. And so, yeah, now these guys are sort of jumping ship for whatever reason. And, and going to do their own thing. Okay. The one thing that Vince McMahon was still able to do was create new characters. Yes. You know what I'm saying? Yep. But there were no, there were no new, new characters being created in WCW. You follow me? At least none that were really hitting, you know, until. Yeah, well, exactly. Exactly. Because they didn't know how. Until Goldberg came along, there was, I mean, they had like Glacier and some of these other guys come along and it just was not working. But you're right. It's uh, Vince McMahon. You know, he put somebody on his TV. That's automatically somebody uh, where yeah. in WCW, maybe not necessarily the case. And to that point, once that angle, that initial surprise, all these new guys, all these established WWF stars are now WCW stars. Well, now, now do something with them. Mm -hmm. Now, you know, to, to make this, you know, and they didn't have that. Outside of the NWO, a lot of these guys that they were bringing in. Kind well, of what's, what's your next big deal? Yep. If you come in and you're part of the NWO, okay, you've got a really juicy storyline you can sink your teeth into. Anybody else, they struggled. They struggled to do anything with it. Yeah. And they yeah. would down the road when they brought Bret Hart in. They brought Bret Hart on board, and they didn't know what to do with him. And next thing you know, it's like his creative is all screwed up. Yeah. Um, okay, let's take a minute to discuss our fantastic sponsor that is changing the lives of men everywhere. Of course, we are talking about Blue Chew. Are you ready to perform with the confidence of the million-dollar man in the bedroom? Are you ready to leave your partner feeling like a million bucks? Are you ready to get that thing so hard you could go hunting with it? If the answer to all those questions is yes, it's time for you to give Blue Chew a try. 
which you can help increase your performance and regain that old confidence where it counts the very most. Blue Chew is a unique online service that delivers the same active ingredients as Viagra, Cialis, and Levitra, but in chewable tablets and at a fraction of the cost. You can take them anytime, day or night, so that you can plan ahead or be ready when that opportunity springs up. The process is simple. Sign up at BlueChew.com, consult with one of their licensed medical providers, and once you're approved, you'll receive your prescription within days. The best part of it, it's all done online. You can forget about those visits to the doctor's office, no more weird, awkward, uncomfortable conversations, and no waiting in line at the pharmacy anymore. It comes right to you. Blue Chew's tablets are made right here in the USA and prepared and shipped direct to your door in a discreet package. But you know the drill, guys. There's not going to be anything discreet about your package. Men everywhere have never been more excited to see their mail carrier arrive because when your package arrives, your package arrives. Listen, I know what your next question is. Will it actually work? Why don't you try it for free and find out for yourself? Something free from the Million Dollar Man? That's right. You can try it right now for free. All you have to do is pay $5 shipping. That's it. Place your order now and give your partner a very pleasant surprise. Women are attracted to confidence, and Blue Chew can help give you confidence where it counts. Don't wait any longer. Time to chew it and do it. Take advantage of our special deal. Again, you can try Blue Chew free when you use our promo code EGAP at checkout. Just pay $5 shipping. That's BlueChew.com, promo code EGAP, and receive your first month free. Visit BlueChew.com for more details and important safety information, and we thank Blue Chew for sponsoring Everybody's Got a Pod. Well, look, I also want to talk about the new look for Sting. Um, it's not quite dialed in just yet. He kind of looks like some kind of a weird mime here, Ted. Uh, but your mentor, Terry Funk, evolved himself. Chris Jericho and The Undertaker have also become known for changing and adapting their, to the times. And now Sting is, is doing the same thing with himself to kind of adjust to this new standard in wrestling. Uh, did you feel like there was any difference or evolution in your character between the Million Dollar Man and now NWO Ted DiBiase? Or did there not really need to be? Um, you know, I never really, I, I never really thought about that. Um, I mean, I knew, uh, you know, uh, again, it was, um, even though I was there and of course, I, I obviously I want to have, I still want to have, be a part of the business, have exposure and what have you. The thing that was more on my mind than wrestling even at that time was this new relationship with God and me going out and, and being a speaker and if you will, a minister and ministering to people, this was all happening during that time. Um, and that, like, that was, like I said, that's why I told them, I said, you know, you guys probably need to turn me baby face because People are going to be seeing a lot more of me on Christian television and this, the two don't mix, you know? So I had a guaranteed contract. I showed up and I did what I was asked. And, and, and because I wasn't a wrestling talent anymore, I, I didn't really worry about it. Now, uh, that, that kind of brings up an interesting point in my mind, Ted. You had just come from the WWF earlier that year, and Jake Roberts had debuted in the WWF with a very, very different character from what he had been previously. Now, all of a sudden, he is a born-again Christian character, and he's preaching the word of the Lord on WWF television. And uh, it makes me wonder, I mean, at any point, even in the next year, whenever you have this conversation with Eric, like, hey, maybe you ought to turn me baby face. Did you ever consider bringing your faith onto wrestling TV or pitching the idea? Um, uh, no, you mean with Eric? Yeah. No. Do you think that Eric would have been receptive to it if you had come to him and said, like, hey, I'd like to bring, you know, more of a faith-based character onto TV as a babyface manager? No. You don't think so? No. Why not? Do you think it's just because he was going edgy? I, you know, I, I don't know. And, and personally, at the time, I didn't care. Ah. I mean, I, it was it was kind of like I was I was at a point, and it's hard for me to explain this, Marcus. Um, you know, my... It was almost like 
okay, I've got this contract. I'm committed to it. You know, I've, I've, I've got a guaranteed contract. You know, I'm going to, I'm going to, I'm going to do my best to do what they want me to do okay. until this contract's over. But I, you know, at no time that I even, even consider the possibility of renewing that contract because I, I'm with my, my direction, you know, it was like I was there physically, but I wasn't there mentally. Okay. Now that we're now we're kind of yeah, now we're kind of yeah. starting to dig into it where it's like, yeah. yep, you're involved in this hot angle and you're on TV, you're getting tons of exposure, but your heart is not there anymore because now your mind is in a different direction with your yeah. faith. Yeah, exactly. Gotcha. And again, you know, when and when and when I left there, you know, you know, when my when my contract was well, I, I told Eric, I, I basically I said, Look, I said, here here's the deal, guys. I said, you know, you got me over here, and uh, and I told Eric this. I said, you got me over here. I'm part of this deal. I said, I'm going out here week after week. I'm standing in a corner with my thumb up my ass. I got nothing to say. And I said, I didn't spend all this time developing a character and a personality, you know, and a position in this business to come along and just be, you know, just be a, uh, just be Hulk Hogan's belt bearer. Mm -hmm. Uh, uh, if you don't have any other ideas for me, just send me home. And that's how it went. And that's how it went. And I didn't care. I didn't care because they still had to pay me. And now I could put, I could, I could refocus all my, my attention on, the ministry. All right. See, uh, you know, as I'm watching this, you know, as, as a, a wrestling fan and a Ted DiBiase fan, I'm like, how cool is this? Like Ted DiBiase, he's in the NWO. He's, he's involved in this red hot angle. I bet he was having a blast. But here in reality, you're like, nah, I think I'd rather be doing, you know, something yeah. with my faith outside of wrestling. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. Interesting. Hey, by and, the way. Oh, go ahead. And that's what I did, you know. Yep. You were out of wrestling uh, after your contract would expire here in WCW for a number of years before you go back to the WWF and that behind the scenes role we discussed. Yeah. Um, hey, by the way, we're, we just talked about Sting and I think I'd be remiss if I didn't bring this up. Uh, he just announced that he would be retiring from wrestling in 2024 after nearly 40 years as an active wrestler. He's still on TV with AEW to this day and he still wrestles and takes some crazy risks like jumping off of ladders, going through tables. He's 64 years old doing that. Yeah. Um, so Ted, what do you think it is about sting that made him resonate so strongly with fans for all these years? Anything in particular? Well, stick out? You know, it's, it's hard to say. I mean, he's just one of those guys that he got over and he, and he stayed over and, and he knew how to, you know, and he knew how to position himself and, and, and stay in a, in a place where he, you know, wouldn't be hurt. I guess, yeah. um, and and it just you know uh, he became an iconic figure because you know like, like again he was with he was with WCW all the way. Yeah, didn't end up going to the WWF until much later in his career. Yeah, and you know uh, what's interesting here too, Ted is uh, I don't know if you ever you've ever talked to Sting about faith, but you know Sting has, has oh. talked about hey. Have. Oh yeah, I mean, I mean, uh, yeah. Steve and I together, and we, we did. We we went to a lot of ministry things together. Actually, wow. yeah. It, oh it's yeah, and it's kind of like, um, um, it was kind of like a, a you know he. Uh, it's something like he said to me one time. He says, "I I never knew you had that in you." Wow. You know, so yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, we, uh, we, you know, we got pretty close there for a while, you know, I mean, we're still friends when we see each other, but you know, just people go their own way. 
it's it's just interesting because you know you've you revealed here that your heart just wasn't really with it and sting has mentioned before that you know it's actually during around this time maybe a, a year or two later you know he's involved in this really hot angle and you know he's coming down from like a helicopter uh at at uh, club la vila and it's yeah. like all this crazy spectacle and he's at the center of it and all the fans adore him but he was like but i was miserable and i wasn't happy personally or professionally um, and here, uh, what he was lacking was God in his life. Yeah. And, uh, it's just really cool and interesting that you two kind of found yourselves, uh, walking the same path. Yeah. Yeah. Well, uh, back into the action here. We're at Halloween Havoc. The event set an all-time record for live gate and merch sales, bringing nearly $225,000 in ticket sales and nearly 70,000 in merch. Uh, I know you'd end up getting frustrated here in WCW and, and certainly your, your heart's not all the way in it, but it had to be feel pretty good to be something or part of something this red hot, right? <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> it was like, hey, Marcus, by that time, I was like, I don't care. <laughs> you yeah. were just like over it, and it's like, yeah, whatever. Uh, yeah, uh, pretty much. Pretty well, much. At Halloween Havoc, you're acting as uh, kind of like an NWO master of ceremonies. You're standing in the crowd cutting promos and introducing NWO matches. You get involved in the match between Hogan and Savage, giving Hogan a weapon, then also pulling Randy out of the ring so that the Giant could attack him, which would lead to Hogan getting the win. Uh, after Hogan retains, there's another huge debut that happens here at Halloween Havoc. Let's have a look. Even think about it. Hi. Hi. So you're bored, are you? I've come here to break your monotony. Hey, Sprout. Sprout, why don't you just head back with a Jolly Green Giant and take a break? Whoa, 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 whoa. You know, you know what, uh, Mr. Piper? There's a big lack of communication here because when I said that I made wrestling, when I said that I own wrestling and I control wrestling, now that I really think about it, I remember that you and I were running neck and neck. Why don't you shut up for a second? It's my turn. Be careful. I am not here to represent the WCW, the NWA, the SPCA, the SOB, although I can be one SOB when I want to be. Be careful. Be real careful. Yeah, I made a lot of money being real careful. <laughs> I'll tell you something there, Charlie Brown. You've been saying that if it wasn't for you, professional wrestling wouldn't be what it is today. Boy, do I got news for you. I come to you for a reality check there, partner. I come because, you see, I'm just as big an icon in this sport as you are. All right. Man, he is a, a scene stealer, isn't he? Yeah. <laughs> I mean, what a massive addition to the WCW roster. You've got Rowdy Roddy Piper. Uh, what do you think of him arriving for this uh, red-hot product here? Oh, Oh, yeah. I mean, it was a shot in the arm for sure. I mean, uh, and again, everything Ronnie just said is pretty much the truth. <laughs> uh, uh, and, uh, and I personally, I, yeah, I, I love that guy. I had a, I had a good time with him and, uh, he was, I mean, you know, here's a guy who, who was just, as a matter of fact, he and I were at Madison square garden at the same time. This is the first time I ever. I, th I think it was the, I, I can't, I think it was the, um, it wasn't the first time I wrestled in, in the garden, 
I think it was going to be the, the my last match in the Garden as I was leaving there the first time when Vince Senior was still alive. Mm. And I can't remember what year that was. It had to be like seventy seven or nineteen seventy nine. Seventy nine. Yep. Yeah, and uh, um, that's uh, that's now, the first time I saw Roddy. Now, was that the because I believe it was in the Garden, and I know that Vince Senior was still running the show. Was that the infamous time when Rowdy Roddy Piper made his debut, and I think it was Freddie Blassie stuffed his bagpipes with toilet paper so they wouldn't play? Yeah. Does that sound familiar? Yep. <laughs> I mean, that is a really mean rib on a guy just coming in the door. No kidding. Yeah. Uh, well, it, and it 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 uh, you know set Piper back a, a few years too, where he wasn't able to. Uh, I, he lost his job that night. It didn't work out, and it took him a few years to get back to that stage. So yeah, kind of a, a mean thing to do to a young guy. Yeah. Well, yeah. he's he's not a young guy here at this time. Piper is forty two. Hogan is forty three, and Savage turns forty four the next month. Uh, Meltzer was very critical of the match between Hogan and Savage here, even saying that it was the ghost of Hulk Hogan that defeated the corpse of Randy Savage. So a little stiff in his review of it. Uh, you've spoken openly here on the show about your desire to retire by 40 because of the way that your father passed away in the ring. Yeah. But here you are, uh, or rather, but here are your contemporaries working against one another beyond the age of 40. What did you think of their continued involvement in wrestling? Well, you know, it's to each their own. You know, I mean, again, my dad was uh, 45. And, you know, there's there's a lot of things they know now, uh, you know, in terms of, of the body and, and, and ways to, uh, I would say, in our, in, the, in our day of modern medicine, the fact that my dad's arteries were, uh, you know, like as bad as they were, could be detected today. Mm-hmm. Back then, they, they they couldn't do that. I mean, you know, when they when they autopsied my dad, they said one of his main the main arteries to his heart was almost totally full, like full of crap. I mean, it's like this the 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 passageway of the artery, which is maybe this big, was like a pinhole for the blood to get through. And anyway. Uh, but yeah, I mean, uh, I just made a promise to myself that I would not stay too long, you know, and I, and I've seen, I've seen other guys. I mean, Hey, one of my, my biggest heroes is Terry Funk. Mm-hmm. And my gosh, Terry wrestled until he was almost 70. <laughs> yeah. I think. Yes. Yes. And he would yeah. be here in WCW a few years later, taking crazy risks, I think in, in like his late fifties yeah. or, or early sixties. Yeah, and you know, and I, it was kind of, kind of like, but I mean, I just, just a personal decision, you know, um, that I would not. Um, and then there's a, there's a lot of guys now. Terry look, Terry continued to look good. Mm-hmm. You know, it, it, it's not like he didn't look like a, you know, he didn't look like a, a washed up old man getting in the ring. I don't and- think. And he wasn't—he wasn't trying to come out there and be the this you know flashy technical wrestler by the by the later yeah. stages either. He was like, okay, I'm getting older. I'm gonna change my style now. I'm a brawler, and he yeah. would come out and brawl with people and have hardcore matches, and it kind of worked. Yeah. Uh, Ted, the next year at Halloween Havoc '97, uh, Piper and Hogan are gonna face each other in a cage match. Um, so they're even a year older than they are here, of course, and uh, the, that match would be dubbed the Age in the Cage. Uh, just because of the, the the age of these two guys climbing in, into there. I mean, do you think that featuring veteran talents against one another is the right approach, or should they have been paired with younger guys who can bounce around for them? Uh, I, you know, I don't know. It depends. I, I, mean, I guess it would, it would depend on the situation. Uh, you know, of course, I mean, where the fans are concerned, you get a couple of guys. Again, you get a, a Hogan and a, and a Piper. And a Piper who are you know, relatively the same age. And that's interesting. Um, You know, an older guy with a younger guy, I I don't know. I don't know. Uh, They might not have the same chemistry, older guy and a younger guy, right? Yeah. 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 Something to think about. 
Uh, well, the next night on Nitro, uh, a big focus is, of course, on the recap of Halloween Havoc as they try to push for that uh, purchase of the replay. You'll come out with Hogan at the end of the show as he cuts a promo on Savage before finishing up with a statement about Piper. Let's have a look at her final clip this week. If there was ever any question in anybody's mind who the superstar of the 90s is, who is at the top of the pecking order, it was only proved when one of the greatest wrestlers of all time, the rowdy one, that little red-haired stepchild, Roddy Piper, came out and was man enough to admit that he always, always idolized Hulk Hogan and couldn't even lace up my boots. And when I looked in Piper's eyes, after he kept admiring my accomplishments, I saw the fear in his eyes, and as he turned his skirt and ran, that was the best decision of his life. And now, Mr. DiBiase, now that I've held up my end of the bargain and the NWO for life, as soon as we get done doing what we're going to do, I'm going to go party with a big brother, Vince, and the new champs, the Outsiders. Tell him what I've been waiting to do, Mr. DiBiase. We'll be in the business, man, that we are. Hollywood and I decided a long time ago that we wouldn't do this until we had taken care of business and firmly, firmly established the foundation of the NWO. And since we have the World Heavyweight title, the World Tag Team titles, the U.S. Heavyweight title, I think that foundation has been done. So for all you NWO loyals who would love to be entertained by Hollywood, Tonight's the night. So Hollywood, go ahead. Entertain them, brother. Okay. <laughs> so it's going to end it. Like, that's how the final Nitro of... Uh of October that year goes off the airs with Hogan doing like a dance and like a pose down. <laughs> That's pretty, pretty weird stuff. But uh, up until that moment, I mean, you know, the, you guys are, they're booking heat in WCW and NWO is holding all the gold um, yeah. and, and you guys are being really antagonistic. And of course, you know, we hear that Kevin Sullivan was the booker at the time and nobody booked heat like, like Kevin. Um, had you much, had you spent much time around Kevin Sullivan in your career? Uh, yeah, I mean, I, I've known Kevin for years, uh, and you know, and he and I, you know, it's like Kevin doesn't get along with just everybody, you know, <laughs> and, and and you know, uh, he's kind of guy. He's he's gonna he's gonna kind of feel you out before he before he before he allows himself to get you know too close. That's the way I kind of read him, uh, and and uh, I always, I, I, you know, the guy's a sharp guy. You know, I thought he was uh, really sharp, as a matter of fact, and I never had any problem with Kevin. Now, his style is uh, heel territory. Heels on top, babyface chasing. Uh, you had just come from the WWF, babyface on top with heels chasing. Uh, which is your preference for a territory, Ted? Well, again, it, it's, you know, I'm, I'm old, old school. It's kind of like uh, the reason that, you know, like you take the guys that were NWA world champion, Harley Race, uh, Dory Funk Jr., Terry Funk, Jack Briscoe, all those guys. When they would go into a territory, they would go all the way around and they they would wrestle the top baby face. Mm. Because the it's it's it's. Because all all the people in the crowd want to see their hero beat him. Yes. So the heel is the champion, and the babyface is chasing. You like that approach? Yes. I, I like that approach too, because it's more entertaining. Like, man, is this babyface finally going to get it away from this bastard? And then when he finally does, it's like the big pop. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Uh, well, Ted, also during that promo, I couldn't help but notice that you're not getting a lot of time on the mic, even though you were brought in to kind of be the mouthpiece for the group. Uh, you're here getting guaranteed money. It's less states, as we've discussed, which means yeah. more time at home. And that's that's great. Plus, you know, again, you're part, part of the hottest angle, which maybe didn't quite mean. Well, and that, and that, see that, and that's, that's the other thing. It's like, you know, it's like um, 
I didn't, you know, I didn't have to say a whole lot. I mean, everybody knew who I was. Every, everybody, I'd already, already established a reputation in the industry. So, you know, I wasn't worried. I mean, it was kind of like, you know, it'd be different if I was in the heat of the match. Mm-hmm. If, I'm, if I'm one of the guys wrestling whoever and, and doing whatever, but that was not my position. And, and, and so I was just, like I said, I, I had my, I had my money, I had my position and, and it was, it was a comfortable one and I enjoyed it. I thought it kind of worked too. Cause um, you- I mean, yeah, sometimes less is more. Yeah, and you're in the role of the financial backer here. You've cut yeah. a promo every once in a while. You'll help out on commentary every once in a while. So, like, I, I don't know. I, I thought it kind of worked. You know, that was one of the criticisms I was seeing online is, like, Ted's barely even talking here. It's like he's he's getting his opportunities. Plus, it's, you know, it's that's yeah. his role. And it yeah. works. Um, well, Ted, I think what we're doing here is working this look back at WCW, uh, and we're going to continue the fun next month with another looks, uh, with November of 1996 in the world war three pay-per-view. Uh, before we go, I want to remind you guys, if you'd like to get this podcast early with no commercials, you've got to go to premierstreamingnetwork.com and sign up for premier plus tons of content over there. Lots of wrestling podcasts, uh, RVD's doing one over there right now. And RVD just debuted not long ago on AEW television. So if you want, you definitely want to hear what that guy has to say, cause he's still active and what a career he's had again. It's premierstreamingnetwork.com. Sign up for premier plus not to mention Ted. Uh, if I recall right, I believe he once kissed your boots. Uh, RBD. Yes. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's, it's kind of like, and what's funny is years later when, when he actually broke in, uh, and, uh, you know, and I, and, and then he, he, he re- like, told me the story. I mean, it was kind of like, and I think it was, you know, he was in, uh, he lived somewhere up way, way, way up in Michigan. Right. Mm-hmm. Where he's from battle Creek. Battle Creek, and we had, we had done a show up there, and, and and he came in the ring, and yeah, he kissed my feet for the money, and um, and I and I, and I remember the, one of the times I saw him later, I said, I said, hey buddy, I said I've I've got another foot, I've got another foot for you to kiss if you want, <laughs> and he said he said, but this time Ted, it'd be a lot more expensive. <laughs> <laughs> Man, I love RVD. What a great yeah, guy. Yeah, he's a good guy. He's um, a great guy. He is hilarious. And uh, my brother Dominic is the co-host for that podcast with him. And the two of them have great chemistry. So seriously, guys, if you like what and, we're doing, check their podcast out too. And hey, please tell him I said hello. We certainly will. And guys, if you're enjoying our show and you're listening on your podcast app, do us a favor, take a moment, like, subscribe, and leave us a five-star review. That helps Ted and I out a bunch. We'll be back for more next week. But in the meantime, we'd love to have you follow us on social media at Pod on all social media platforms. Follow our guy Ted here at MDMTedDBiase on all of his social media. Follow me at Marcus P. D'Angelo on X and follow Premier Streaming Network at Watch on Premier on X and at Premier Streaming Network on Instagram and Facebook. All right, man. Another look back at WCW is in the books. This was a lot of fun today. You bet. And as always, before I go, I must remind everybody that everybody's got a price for the million dollar man. <laughs> See you guys next time right here right. on Everybody's Got a Pod.